It's the end of the year on the Virtual Bible Study. Yeah, and that's what we're going to talk about. We want to do a year-in-review kind of analysis about how well we have done in lots of different areas, but all related to our spiritual service in God's kingdom. How well have we done looking back? A little retrospective on the program tonight. We're going to get started right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study, the last one for 2021, December 30th. Thank you for joining us. We're not going to do this anymore this year. (laughs) Not anymore. We're done. Uh, We're glad that you're joining us tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Ladad. Jacob, great to be with you. Kyle's behind the controls. It's good to see you. Thanks for being here, Kyle. And thank you for listening on the other end of the line tonight. Uh, we are looking forward to hearing from you on the program uh, at 931-381-4567, 931-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com and in the chat window to the bottom of your video feed uh, if you're listening to us live tonight. Um, and uh, you've got some topics that you want to cover, but we can throw the line open to anything that you'd like to talk about in retrospect as we look back at 2021 that could have been done better. Yeah. And so we'll dive into that here in a minute. Before we do, uh, one last uh, update about our Bible reading calendar. Uh, we still have copies. We can make more. If, you, if you'd like a hard copy, send us a, an email to questions at collegeview.com. And then give us, in that email, give us your <clears throat> regular snail mail, U.S. mail, mailing address. And we'll send it to you. We can't get it to you by the first of the year now. But we can get it to you within a few days of the start of the reading schedule. But just today, I I put on our collegeview.com website, I put uh, the link to the reading schedule. <coughs> and so you can get on there. It's a very emotional gonna, thing, this reading schedule. It just chokes up. me up. Yeah. But again, it's on it's on our website, collegeview.com, and you can go there and... Um, and check that out. Okay. All right. But you still want to get that paper copy, so send an yeah. email uh, to get that. All right. Um, you got a cough drop over there. I do. Give me that. I better uh, get that. I'm, gonna, I'm so choked up. It'll be 50 cents. All right. <laughs> All right. So tonight we're going to talk about year in review. It's a good time to take and uh, do some uh, thinking and some uh, considering of how we did and not necessarily beat ourselves up but to look for areas where we can improve in the coming year, make this a positive thing of what can we do better. You know, it's sort of arbitrary to choose January 1st as the day to do such analysis. Yes. I suppose, actually, honestly, we need to be evaluating ourselves constantly. But there's just some sort of motivational aspect to January 1st, a new year. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a lot of things different. I'm going to diet. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to whatever. And, and And we do that. Everybody does that, I think. Uh, and so it's just an opportunity for us to do a little introspection about our spiritual lives. Yes, absolutely. You put some bullet points out there for starters for the conversation tonight. Yeah, and we'll just go through these one at a time. And if you have comments, get in the chat room or give us a call or send us an email. We've got a few emails here, and we'll be looking to them. I just ask, how well did we do in these areas and what might have been done better? And I started out with, because it's just so much on our minds, what about dealing with COVID, uh, both individually and congregationally? You know, I, I, this is like nothing else uh, that we've ever dealt with. I mean, I'm an old man, and, and, and in my life, I've never seen anything of this nature that affected everybody, everybody. It's on everybody's minds. Uh, a, a day does not go by, but what we hear something about it, uh, think about it, talk to others about it. And so probably is an appropriate place to start our discussion. How well did we do in dealing with these COVID issues? Uh, one area where I think we didn't do well is, uh, you just said it, we've never experienced anything like it. 
but it is not something that has not been experienced in history. This is not any different than what many people throughout time have had to deal with. Um, and I think one of the things where we've let down is we begin to think that, that this is something that's just unprecedented. Or no, that, no, nobody knows the troubles I've seen. Yeah, it's not unprecedented. In yeah. fact, this is better than a lot of people have had it in yeah. a lot of different areas. I was, I was just hearing uh, uh, some some news commentator mentioned, you know, we uh, w- back when this all broke out, we we did some analysis of the Spanish flu in 1918, and that that Spanish flu as, actually was in. There were four waves of it in, in, uh, 1918, 1919, and 1920 that four different waves came through where it, it, it flared up again and then went down, much like what we're seeing in this pandemic. But the numbers, if you just compare the raw numbers, uh, there's not a lot of difference between then and now, but if you compare the number versus the population then, the the percentage of people who who were very sick and died was actually much higher a uh, hundred years ago. Perspective is important here. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And and really, all through the ages, people have, there have been such things, and people have had to deal with them. And and uh, we we are not facing something new here. And we make a mistake if we feel so sorry for ourselves uh, because of what we're having to go through. We're we're pretty spoiled. Modern medicine and and uh, new technologies have 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 sort of spoiled us into thinking we should never have to suffer any th- physical discomfort or illness. It, it, this maybe rocks that boat a little bit and gets us back to reality. Absolutely. What do you think about your th- comments uh, in the chat room tonight? What, how do you think we handled COVID individually and congregationally? Dwight in the chat room says, as the year has come and gone. Looking back, many people have let COVID run their life. With both Michelle and I working in the hospital, we see and hear a lot about how people feel about it. It has impacted some like nothing else. As Christians, we put our faith and trust in God. We don't purposely go out and try to get sick with COVID, but we don't worry about it. Many Christians have worried more about COVID than their spiritual welfare. There are observances we have personally, these are observations we have personally seen. As for the church, the church in some areas, were binding things they had no right, and some continue these practices. The church has showed their lack of faith in the Lord. Some Christians have become obsessed with fear of COVID. Some have been more involved with COVID statistics than worshiping God in spirit and in truth. Okay, I think those are good observations. Um, I, I I would agree with Dwight uh, that, you know, people have gotten so worried about this that they've let it interfere with their spiritual duties. You know, and and so you know, there are people who who still hesitant to attend worship services, for instance, because they're so worried about the virus. Sadly, you see those same people if you go to the Walmart or someplace else. They get out and do other things, but they use this. They're so concerned that they might catch it that they won't come to church. Uh, and and I mean, boil it all down. If we get it. We get it. If you know our, our good friend Monty Overton, who helps out on the virtual Bible study uh, often, says, "You know, what, what's the worst thing that can happen? We might die and go to heaven." You know, so I mean, what is more important: fulfilling our spiritual duty to God or fearing uh, an illness that could potentially kill us? But the the, the survivability of, of this virus is pretty high. I mean, well over ninety nine point five percent. Of everybody who gets it's going to survive it. Certainly we, people have died and we've known people who've died. I don't know a whole lot of people who've died, honestly. Um, I, I can name the people that I know personally who have died, uh, I, from COVID. I could, I could count them on one hand. Uh, people die. Uh, that's the reality of life on earth. And, and we can't let our fear of, dying physically cause us to potentially die spiritually because we've neglected our, our duties but all every time uh, i talk to some somebody in churches around uh both far and near they mention there are some people who, who have not come back that people start laying out because of fear of covid and, and they haven't come back and i would argue those people just haven't done that they have let this run, run and ruin their lives and i think they if they would look back in retrospect, they would. They should definitely do differently. 
I think which would we have made provisions. Uh, at, I think churches or congregations need to take an opportunity to make sure that we're reaching out and also making provisions for people who, if they want to. Well, one, we don't shame people for wearing masks. If you want to wear a mask, that's fine. That's perfectly fine. Um, and even people who've gotten the vaccine, that's you know, it's we don't. You know, we're not shaming people who get the vaccine. Sometimes we can get politically motivated on some things, but we're just making sure that we're encouraging members to make sure that they're comfortable in coming to services. We make sure they're at their room. They won't be separated from us. We can have we can have, have that. So it's you know we've we've done some things. We've tried and, and, and part of it was because we were in uncharted territory. So. But we've tried to be accommodative, and and uh, and I think you're right, Kyle. We've tried to make everybody feel as comfortable as possible. But bottom line is, we need to assemble and worship God. Absolutely. And we and we shouldn't let physical concerns keep us from doing that. And I, uh, if I could get on my my horse here, my my uh, hobby horse a little bit, I I am strongly concerned about people using the live stream as a crutch. The live stream is a great uh, thing for those who legitimately can't attend the worship services. And so if you are sick, let's say you've got COVID or a family member's got COVID, if you're sick, we want you to stay home. You know, Please don't come. If you're sick, please don't come. Uh, and if you've got a family member in your immediate household who's sick and you've been exposed to it, you probably shouldn't come, and and the live stream provides a a, a good resource for you still to be able to uh, access the teaching and so forth. But we've got some folks, and I hear about it other places. I think it happens here. We've got some folks who are abusing and misusing the live stream uh, to the point that I would even consider discontinuing it if it's if it continues. Kyle, are you ready for that? Which that was whenever we first ever mentioned having a live stream. Which I was of the, I was of the mind that if it became a hindrance to people coming to the worship services, and I think we should. So I mean, yeah, I mean, it's something that uh, you know, if it comes to the point where if we're putting a stumbling block before our brethren, then maybe so. You thinking about blacking it out? Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> yeah, if you if you're in if you're in Middle Tennessee, well, you're we don't be, want to be like a, they black out, they black out sporting events. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we don't want to be a hindrance to our brethren either. So if you yeah. sell out, you can turn it back on for everybody. Yeah. All right. Um, Kent says, no doubt the total situation could and would have been handled in a better way, perhaps more consistent with the scriptures. Had we known exactly what to expect, the situation was all new and we needed to, a learning curve to properly react. Of course, the New Testament provides for us specific principles that must be applied in all situations. Physical illness is one of the more difficult situations with which to cope even among mature Christians. Hopefully we have learned to develop better advanced planning in difficult times as it relates to the collective work of the local church as well as personal lives. Yeah, and I agree with Kent wholeheartedly there that uh, this is a this is a, an area that we we didn't know we didn't know what to expect. You know, uh, the the church here at College View, Jacob, you helped us get set up to do services in the parking lot, and we did that for I think eleven weeks in the spring of twenty twenty. Uh, I don't know if we'd do that again, but we just didn't know. We didn't know what we were dealing with, and and so it seemed like a prudent thing. In hindsight, we might change that up, but you know, we were learning as we went along. But I'll tell you another thing that congregationally I think has been, and we've talked about this on the virtual Bible study, this remote observance uh, of the Lord's Supper uh, is, I just think, unscriptural. Uh, the Lord's Supper is to be observed in the assembly of the saints uh, and and the idea that I could stay at home and, and have my cracker and a little bit of juice and have observed the Lord's Supper scripturally is wrong. I just I mean just flatly wrong. And and there are still folks who are doing that, and I think that needs to be rethought immediately. Yep. Uh, so go back to the scriptures. Make sure you have authority for all that you're doing. Do we have to do everything exactly the way we did it pre pandemic? No. But we have to have scriptural authority for any modification that we make. Uh, that's vitally important. Mohan in Illinois says, for dealing with COVID issues, congregations have probably done a very poor job in this, as there have been disagreements on how to have services. Some people refuse to attend if a church mandated mass, going as far as saying people are no longer our brethren if it disagrees with how they view congregations to handle COVID. Embarrassingly, I'm sure church splits have occurred because of the pandemic. 
Uh, you know, and and I think uh, Mohan brings out a good point. You know, it, it just seems like this whole situation put people's uh, put people's nerves on on you know on edge. You know, it didn't take much to make people mad and upset and draw lines and and you know over stupid things. Yeah, like masks. Like masks. I'm yeah. going to have a knockdown drag out fight because you think a mask is stupid and I think a mask is important. Yeah, we're going to fight about that. Yeah, and people did. People did. The people yeah. still are. Yeah. Uh, Kent says a little bit more about this, Jacob. He says, we must certainly make a distinction concerning or regarding COVID issues when it comes to individual reaction versus local church reaction. No doubt some brethren as individuals reacted in a better way than the local church did. Also, some local, local churches, perhaps as a group, reacted better than some individual Christians did. Hopefully, we will learn as individuals to have greater trust in God, knowing that in his providence, he will provide for all our needs. You know, that that is a true statement. And, and you know, God has promised to bless us. He hasn't promised us we're going to live forever, but he has promised if we do his will, he'll bless us uh, and, and ultimately bless us eternally. And then, Jacob, look down here at the bottom of his email. He says, consider the fallacy of virtual worship. The assemblies of exhortation require a coming together in one place, Hebrews 10.25. Not only do we engage in the worship of God by so assembling, we also use it as an encouragement to one another, Hebrews 10.24. Another important area for consideration is the value of local autonomy and independence of the local church. Just because prominent congregations and popular well-known brethren engaged in specific actions do not make such right, our only source of authority is based upon the Word of God, Second Timothy three sixteen and seventeen. Yeah. All right. I think that's right, Kent. Thank you. Thank you for those thoughts. All right. Anything else, Kyle? From you? No. No. That was good. Uh, Dwight and Michelle agree that live stream is abused way too much. The Lord's Supper is to be done as a gathered together church. All right. Good comments tonight. Um, we are over time for a break. I didn't realize how late it was getting. Uh, up next, let's oh. talk about. All the political turmoil in the world. Wow. And how we have dealt with that as Christians. All right. Eight, seven, or nine, three, one, three, eight, one, four, five, six, seven. We're back right after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement. Here's a quick thought. But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 3. The Apostle Paul reminds us God can be trusted to deliver us from the evil one. So when you're hard-pressed by Satan, call on the Lord. He will establish you and guard you. He is faithful. Seize the day. Here's some quotes worth pondering. January 1st is the first blank page of a 365-page book. Write a good one. Benjamin Franklin said, Be at war with your vices, at peace with your neighbors, and let every new year find you a better man. Man, wish I'd said that. Use your Internet connection for something good. Listen to the virtual Bible study every week. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight talking about uh, 2021, some things that we could have done better and things we can do better in 2022. Let us know your thoughts on the program tonight. You talked about political turmoil. Yeah, we talked. So uh, wouldn't you agree with me that the two main things that's been on principally on people's mind as they've listened to the news and as they've uh, seen what's going on in the world around COVID, of course, so we just talked about, and then all the political developments uh, going all the way back over a year ago to the presidential campaign and the election and the the contested results of the election. And uh, I mean, that's just been that that also has just been constantly pressed in our faces uh, by the news. Let's kick this one off from out in California. Brian says, one recognition on my part was how wrong I was in excoriating certain politicians, especially in front of my kids. The gospel meeting college you held a few months back included a sermon on the sin of reviling. If I still consider my governor morally repugnant, but I have done a better job in keeping my remarks in check. Excellent sermon, he says. That sermon was by Steve Klein. Yeah, it was all, It was much needed. I needed it. I agree with Brian. I, I, I'm sure... Uh, that I had said things out of the way, and I've tried to do better. 
since then. And, and that may be something that a lot of our listeners need to consider. Looking back, have you spoken in disrespectful uh, ways that would uh, uh, and go back and listen that 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 sermon is is available on our website isn't it Kyle yeah. mm-hmm. if you go back in October uh, and look at Steve Klein's uh, sermon on the sin of reviling uh, that that would really do a lot of folks good to look back at that and say you know I have spoken out of out of the way uh, in regards to political leaders and I need to be careful about that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of this it goes back into the rumor and speculation that's been put out on the Internet, um, a lot of the conspiracy theories. You're hearing people talk about politicians doing all kinds of things that are nothing more than rumor and speculation. Such, such politician, they're all pedophiles. They're vampires. They're... I mean, you, you, these are things that are going out that, that normal people, functioning adults are believing and, and repeating the, the, and this is, this is nothing more than gossip and it's, it's slanderous. Now maybe there are evil things going on, but you don't know about them. And so if you're talking and spreading this stuff, it's, it's, it's not, just not appropriate for a Christian. Well, I think that I, I try to stay uh, centered on the, on the basic truth that there's not much I can do about it, no matter if it is so, you know, uh, if there's a, and, and, and I have to, I, I would honestly say that I'm, I'm such a person who believes that there are probably some people with some bad, bad, uh, evil agendas in the, in the political world. That, I don't doubt that, that. that. Yeah. But do you know, do you, do you know for certain what those are? I can't, I can't, I can't identify them specifically, uh, I can be suspicious of them, but I can't, I mean, I, I can't prove it. And, and if I could, what would it do? I mean, I, there's no, I have no influence. We had to think the, about, you know, Rome, you know, the terrible empire and how, you know, it was like trampling underfoot. The Christians were just, you know, essentially, you know, thrown in the, we, there was a massive, you know, massive conspiracies back then and things that they they lived in absolute terror in many ways. There was literal conspiracy. So, I mean, here, history bears so, out the conspiracies that existed in Rome. They still had to function. They still had to be Christians. They still had to worship. They still had to live their lives in a sin and uh, as sinless a way as absolutely possible. But so we have to make sure we're living our lives the way God well, wants us to. Well, and I think yeah, I think you're right, Kyle. That's a good example about uh the Christians of the first century dealing with that very corrupt Roman government. <clears throat> but again, I mean, if it if it was all true, if it was all provably true, what am I going to do about that? You know, that, and so it 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 distracts me. It causes me to lose focus. Yeah. When I when I am so wound up about these things that I can't Which, effectively serve God in, in, in spiritually. In our country, we have more of a voice than they did at that point in time. We can use our vote. We can use. We can be critical of the government, and I think we should point out its flaws. But also, there's a line we can't yeah, cross. That line. I think we're. I think we've seen it crossed. Uh, the the line that's drawn in Second Peter chapter two verse ten. These people walk uh, according to the flesh and the lust of uncleanness and despise authority. I think we've got that, and I think we've got Christians who have stepped over that line, despising the authority. Uh, they are presumptuous, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries. Whereas angels who are greater in power and might do not bring a railing accus- or violent accus- accusation against them before the Lord. It's gotten down to the point where we've listened to talk radio enough, we've read the stuff on the internet enough that there's a lot of just d- d- um, of people who are just despising the authority. They they have, oh I just I can't stand him. I've seen Christians who've compared the president's IQ to that of a potato and said that a potato had a higher IQ than the president. That is speaking evil of dignity. Well, that's we've, we've, we've crossed the line. Yeah. And Christians are doing it. We've got to check up. Ryan said he checked up. Yeah. He realized he needed to change. We need to, we need to look yeah, at what, this where we're at. This is a learning it is. moment. It is. Uh, it's, uh, but, yeah. but again, okay, let's say this. Uh, let's say that Washington is rife with corruption. 
I imagine that it probably yeah, is. I don't know that you can. Uh, but what? But, but what? That doesn't. Does I can't change that. And if I stay so torn up worrying about it that it keeps me from doing my spiritual service to God, then Satan has won. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so again, I think Kyle's point about Christians in the first century. You know, you you don't read in, in your New Testament. You, you you don't read a lot about them in relating to the the Roman government. I mean, the Apostle Paul called upon his rights as a citizen when he was being unjustly tor- tortured and imprisoned. He appealed his case to Caesar, and in Philippi, when he was beaten, he 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 used the acknowledgement of his Roman citizenship. But he wasn't saying, and by the way, I think Caesar, I think this Caesar, you know, part of that time, Nero Caesar was un, uh, in power in Rome, the, probably, maybe, ultimately, the most corrupt politician that ever lived in the history of time. Yeah. He's not even named in the scripture. Yeah. And, and, and so, you know, we, yeah. we, and these, and these, and, and, you know, a lot of this, 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 Worked up condition we find ourselves in is people think, well, they're going to step on our religious liberties. What were they doing in the first century? And were they ever told you need to revolt? You need to you need to just smear them whenever you get a chance? No, you yeah, which, th- you 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 don't speak evil of dignitaries. As I said, you know, which we have we have a tradition of of freedoms in this country, different freedoms that they had. And yes, we hope that the people we send to Washington are going to keep us within the bounds of those those laws and those traditions that we've had as a country but if they don't we still have to be christians at the end of the day that's right yeah that's right and, you know, we- and, and I, well, I actually fear that if if push came to shove and there and 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 political violence erupted uh I, i'm afraid some some of our brethren are so into that and so worked up about that that they that they might take up arms if if that became the case which would just which would just be wrong i've heard christians that are promoting that idea that it may be time to revolt and it is not time to revolt and then that argument is backed up by the fact well the constitution gives us provisions to revolt against our government that's what the militia is there for that's part of the the uh, the Bill of Rights is that we can have an armed militia, and that's there to keep the government in check. I want to tell you, the Constitution does not give you rights to do something that God said you can't do. Yeah, you must submit to yeah. every ordinance of man. Yeah, and if the if the that's Constitution, a good way to put it, if the Constitution said, you know what, if you don't like what your neighbor does, you can just blow his brains out. Well, I got to no. Your first responsibility is to what God said to do. You're not ever authorized to revolt against your government. Yeah. And uh, I'm worried. The tensions are so tight right now yeah. that Christians can stop over that line. We've got to do, we've got to check up. Well, we're been, we've been up on our soapbox. Let's read what uh, Dwight says. He says, as for political turmoil, I just try to remember that things concerning this world is in God's hands. Some Christians let certain things get under their skin more easily, and it does no good to get upset. We do what we can and pray about it, as Paul told Timothy, to pray for those in authority. That's a good point. You know, there's something positive that we can do. I, I've been saying there's not much we can do. One thing is we can do what Paul told uh, 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 there in, is it it's First Timothy 2 or Second Timothy 2? Let me look. Uh, he said, I will that, uh, turn the page. He says, uh I exhort, therefore, that, first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and givings of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Notice the emphasis of our prayer. Pray for kings. Pray for those in authority. But the emphasis of our prayer is not that my 401k will stay healthy. Uh, we get these roads fixed. I, I get the, get the, you know, the infrastructure, uh, uh, straight. Yeah. No. Simply that we can lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Yeah. And while you're praying for the king, make sure you're honoring him. First Peter chapter two verse seventeen would tell you to honor the king. And doesn't matter what he's doing, you to honor the king. They were honoring those who were crucifying Christians, and they we need to do the same. Mohan says Christians have handled it very poorly. I believe churches seem to be politically hijacked and so focused on politics rather than getting the gospel out. Like you're right. 
Mark. And Kent says, while many of us have very strong political convictions, and rightly so if they're based upon New Testament principles, especially in the areas of both individual freedom and biblical morality, we need to guard against the local church being turned into a political machine as an agency for our personal views. This is a personal liberty that we have enjoyed as individual Christians. We cannot and must not forget the distinction made between individual action of Christians versus collective action of the local church. Of course, some controversial areas having nothing to do with politics, such as abortion, homosexuality, transgender controversy, etc., these issues must be addressed upon the basis of New Testament teaching and separated from political issues. Yeah, and I really like Kent bringing that up, because I do think, I absolutely think we need to speak out loudly about uh, abortion and homosexuality. And we and we have the right, and I think rightfully should condemn our government for promoting those things. That's not wrong. That's not bad, uh, because those are moral issues. Those are not political issues. You know, those, those are moral issues that we need to stand firmly for. Those, but maintaining that line, it can't say there, so that we're not crossing over into politics. We're making the church a political action committee. Yeah. And uh, Grant and Janie say we must remember that God is in control. Let's keep our faith in him. At the end of the day, that's what matters. Yeah. And uh, I think we express our faith in God by the way that we respond to the turmoil that's around us. We show our faith in him. All right. Time for a break. When we get back. Well, let's talk. Let's let's change gears a little bit. And let's talk about evangelism. Well, looking back, how well have we have done our work of evangelizing the lost, and what could we learn? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. With the end of a calendar year and the beginning of a new one, there's always a tendency to look back and to look forward. Evaluations are made in regards to our financial status, our career pursuits, and other important matters. Surely it's appropriate to evaluate our spiritual welfare. Ask yourself this simple question. If I keep doing what I'm presently doing, where will I be in another year? Will I be a stronger Christian because I'm doing things that will help me grow in Christ? Or will I be weaker as a result of continuing to ignore the most important things in life? Will I be a better student? Will my knowledge of the Word have increased through regular and consistent study? Or will I still only be wishing that I knew my Bible better? Will I have brought any lost soul to the Lord through a committed effort to teach others? Will I have invited folks to visit the assemblies or encouraged them to have a private Bible study? Or will I only be giving lip service to the whole notion of personal work? Will I improve in my ability to react to life's provocations in a godly and controlled manner? Will I be displaying more of the divine nature as I deal with people and problems? Or will I be easily provoked and often fail as trials and temptations are placed before me? Will I have broken that bad habit that has nagged me for so long? Or will I still be offering lame excuses and trying to convince myself that I can't? Will my example be stronger? Will others begin to recognize dependability in me? Will I be constantly striving to do all I can as a disciple? Or will I be counted as only a lukewarm Christian? If I keep doing what I'm presently doing, where will I be in another year? Or, more to the point, where will I be in eternity? That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hi, my name is Bob Tidwell, and I want to remind you that the Virtual Bible Study provides a great opportunity to use your computer for something good. So turn off the TV and gather your family around the computer each Thursday night for the Virtual Bible Study. We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. Back on the program tonight. Remind you, this program is brought to you by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more at thevirtualbiblestudy.com or collegeview.com. And uh, check out that video feed. You've got a lot of airtime already, Kyle, on that uh, YouTube uh, feed tonight. But uh, lots yeah. of good sermons out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, a lot of good stuff there. Uh, all right. Um, we are talking about the year in review. And we've dealt with a couple hot-button topics. We've dealt with COVID and political turmoil. Let's change gears and talk a little bit about our about our, our more, what I would argue, more important thoughts as to what, how, how have we done. And, and, for instance, how have we done in evangelism, reaching out to the lost, both as individuals, because we all are individually responsible, <coughs> And then congregationally, what, what, when we come together in our collective work, what could we do and how might we do it better? 
I think this is an area where we always need to be looking for improvement because we're certainly surrounded by a world of lost souls and we need to be doing the best job we can at getting the gospel to them. All right. <coughs> to that, we'll go out to Iowa. And Dwight says evangelistic efforts are hopefully something we all have done better with, uh, uh, better on with 2021 fading. We are to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. As we gain this knowledge, we pass it on to our friends and family and fellow Christians to help them become uh, grow and become stronger. Thank you for that, uh, Dwight. Yeah. And, and and I think Dwight has that concept. You know, this is some, an area where we really need to keep growing. Kent says, uh, the work of New Testament evangelism must continue even during these times of hardship. During the first century, individual Christians and local churches did not permit trying circumstances in society to disrupt their God-given obligations to evangelize those who have never been converted and restore brethren who have fallen into sin. You know, we just uh, just concluded last night uh, a study of the book of Philippians. And in the, in the final verses of Philippians, Paul is sending out salutations. And he said, he sent out salutations from the brethren who were with him in Rome. He was writing from Rome. He was writing from Roman imprisonment or confinement. And he said that the brethren sent their, sent their greetings along with his. And he included among them those of Caesar's own household. So here's Paul under the, uh, under unimaginably bad circumstance. He's still teaching and preaching. Yeah. You know, and that's an example uh, for all of us. Uh, I, and, but honestly, I, I got to say, honestly, I don't mean this to be a cop out. It's harder. It's harder to find people who are interested in discussing spiritual things. Our, and and that's and that, I think that's statistically provable. Our our society is becoming increasingly secular uh, in the in the uh, uh, trends uh, ad that will come up later in the program. Forty-two percent of the U.S. population never reads the Bible. Never. That that's just an indication of how secular our society is. If they're if four out of ten people don't even care to ever read the Bible, they're probably not going to be too interested in having a Bible study with us individually or coming to some special event that we organize congregationally. But we still got to try. You know, that's something that I want to do better in 2022 is just looking for a door to see if it will crack open. And just, you know, we're not, I think we get wrapped up in this evangelism has to be that I got to convince somebody to have a home Bible study or I've got to convince somebody they got to come to worship services. Our evangelism can be just as simple as putting uh, God into a conversation, see if yeah. the door cracks open. Yeah. You know, and I've, I've been, uh, a guy at work passed away uh, suddenly a couple months ago, and um, I had talked with him many times. He was didn't live in this area, but I talked to him many times on the phone. And in his obituary, it mentioned that he was a very religious man. I didn't know that. Yeah, I'd missed an opportunity. If I just pushed on that door a little bit, maybe something could have opened up, and we could have had a discussion. Uh, and I think we we limit ourselves sometimes. I got to find the perfect candidate. Mm-hmm. I got to find the person to be willing to sit down and have a study. I don't have to do that. Well, yeah. I think about the the sower. The sower sowed on all, all of the sow. So all he didn't. Yeah, he just spread. Yeah. So yeah. You never know. Yeah. Just drop a little little seed and see what happens. So and and so, but I think that that has to be a conscious uh, priority. You know, because if you don't if you don't consciously think I'm going to try to work in with my with my friends and my relatives and and people I work with. If 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 we don't make it a, a a conscious priority, I'm going to try to to talk about godly things uh, and see if it opens. If you don't take the, if you don't take the bait, we'll do it. That, <clears throat> let that later. But there's a lot of ways to do that. Just you know, yeah. You know, you won't believe what the preacher talked about on Sunday. It was really interesting. Yeah. Well, what was it? Yeah. Well, there you got an open door. Yeah. You know? yeah. Or 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 maybe ask. You know, maybe if it is something in the news, like, you know, some new law that bans abortion or restricts abortion, you say, well, I'm really glad that that the the courts have made it harder to get abortion because I think that's a a terrible moral sin and we need to be doing what we can to stop it. You know, there are there are ways to open those doors. Yeah, but we need to be looking for those, uh, certainly. All right. Uh, lots of things. Did we, we get? Did we get? Yeah, we got Kent, both yeah, of those. Yeah, we got Kent's. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about how we, how well, looking back, 
how well did we handle personal temptations? Uh, you know, all of us are tempted. And, and, and it's a reality of living in this present world. We're going to be tempted. My temptation might be different than yours, likely is. And so, you know, how you deal with your temptations and how I deal with mine may be different because they're, diff- they're different in nature, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is... We've got to deal with them. Uh, Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, he said, my pages are sure sticking together tonight. I, I think it must be the humidity. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I can't turn these pages. 1 Corinthians ten thirteen. There is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. I cannot ever take the position of saying, well, I can't help it. It's just it's beyond my power to resist this particular temptation. You you just don't know. Nobody knows what I'm dealing with here. It's it's different than anybody has ever faced before. Well, that's not a true statement. It's not a true statement that I'm dealing with a unique temptation. And it's not a true statement that it's beyond my power to control it. If either one of those things could be proven true, it would be proven that God is a liar because he said it's not true. He said the things I'm facing are not unique to me, to me and that I can resist because he promises he'll make a way. All right. Um, and we need to be reminded of that. This, these, this is going to merge in with the next one that you you'd mentioned here about handling temptation, the next point. Uh, but um, let's look at what Kent said. We need to remember that during trying times, one can be tempted to let their guard down and give Satan the advantage. God will, through his word, provide strength for us to not give in to sin. He references 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Right. Dwight says, as humans, we all make mistakes, and hopefully we learn from our mistakes, making fewer mistakes because of temptations. Hopefully we'll continue to decrease with age, knowledge, and wisdom. I, I like Dwight's thought there that, you know, okay, so I, so I stumbled and fell here. Well, I... I I can learn from that, you know. I mean, uh, yeah. so what? So what were the things that put me in that realm of temptation? What were some of the missteps that I took that led me to the point of sin? Wouldn't it be smart, and if I if I can detect the progression that led me to that point, wouldn't it be smart to shortstop that someplace before I got to the point of sin? Yeah. Learn from it. Yeah. Amen. All right. Uh, that gets us to the end of that, of the comments we had. Uh, but uh, let's look at that. I mean, not, the, the, certainly as we think about 2022, uh, we need to do some self-reflection. What am I going to do better about dealing with the temptations? And maybe and, we and, just need to be more aware of where the temptations are coming from, where where we've messed up in 2021. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, I, I actually think that there's a fair degree of uncertainty about how things might go even in regards to some of the things we talked about earlier, there's, I think there's some uncertainty about how things could develop politically. There's some uncertainty about how uh, we may be ad- addressed about these COVID issues. But the fact of the matter is, I got to deal with them, and God will help me to deal with them. And I got to trust Him. Yeah. All right. Kyle, thoughts from you? Yeah, well, that's correct. I mean, it's, I think we can if we if we wake up one day and we're we're far away from where we were spiritually. I think we need to make sure we can, we have to track it back to where this started and make sure we don't go through that again. It opens a door and the crack can get wider and wider. You can be so much sin can be let in your life by one small instance of temptation that you've let in. So you have to make sure that we see it early and stop it early. So let's let's take one more quickly. I had on here. What about studying the Bible? As I look back over the past year, what about my practice of studying the Bible? Well, as I said, this dovetails with the idea of resisting temptation. Yeah. Uh, If I'm not staying in the Word, I'm not going to be ready to fight against. But uh, but if I can look back over the past year and realize I didn't spend very much time in Bible study, well, then that's an easy fix. I can I can just simply say I'm going to devote the time this year. We go a little, give a little, uh, uh, you know, uh, promo. It, is there a calendar or something? Yeah, a little promo for our daily oh, yeah, Bible yeah, reading calendar. calendar. Yeah. Uh, but we, we, we can do that. You know, I, there's none of us who could legitimately say, I just don't have time to do that. We can all make it. We make time for what we want to do and what is important to us. This needs to be an important priority. And so 
if I look back over the past year and say I haven't I haven't spent much time in the Bible, that's an easy fix. It needs to be fixed, but that's an area where you got to have to be honest with yourself. Yep. Make time and do it. Okay. Let's get our last break, Jacob. And when we get back, we're going to rush to the top of the hour. The next one is, what about our use of social media? Before we go, Kent says we need to spend more time in study of of the Word of God as well as in prayer. Right. Dwight says, studying and reading the Bible is very important to me as a Christian. I find myself listening to the Bible on audio much more this year with my time. Also listening to more lessons and sermons. This helps me think on more good things versus seeing and hearing all the worldly uh, things around us. Good. Good. Yeah. Right. Yeah, use that technology for good. Thank you for that encouragement. And I know Dwight does. Dwight does watch your live stream uh, a lot, uh, Kyle. So he, he's one that definitely benefits from that. Uh, okay. All right. Let's get a break. Go to the top of the hour. When we get back, social media, social media, Ooh. raising our children, contentment, relating to and encouraging our brethren. All right. Going to the top of the hour. Fast. Going fast. Stay tuned. We're back after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. When you take away the ice cream socials, the family center, the gym, the fellowship hall, and the plays from your church, what do you have left? Is there anything of real spiritual substance? Is there anything that says this is all about God and not all about me? At the College View Church of Christ, we want to stay focused on the goal of serving God. We don't offer what most churches offer, but we do offer Jesus Christ and Him crucified. If that's what you're looking for... Come worship with us this Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. at the College View Church of Christ. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. A recent survey asked Americans, how often do you read the Bible? The results were these. Every day, 15%. Four plus times per week, 13%. Once a week, 9%. Once a month, 6%. Three or four times a year, 7%. Once or twice a year, 8%. And therefore, that necessarily suggests that 42% of Americans never read the Bible. That information is via statista.com. The Word of God says in Psalm 119, verse 97, Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Colossians three seventeen. Now back to the program. And we're back on the top of the hour going fast, uh, looking at the year in retrospect and looking at uh, what we can do to improve in 2022. Uh, Kyle suggested this next one. Well, looking back, what about the use of social media? How, uh, what... what uh, um, how much time have I been on social media? You know, if you want to do a statistical study, that that's pretty scary. How much young, how much time young people spend on social media? But I'm telling you, it's not limited to young people. There are adults who are just overwhelmingly involved in social media. You know, uh, and and if you ever look at it, they're posting multiple times every day. They've got to be spending hours and hours and hours on social media. Yeah. There are people who make their vocation, their lives out of their, not their live out of social media, but they're, they have a business and that's where they marketing and there's, they have, that's, that's, that's a business aspect of their lives, but that's not their lives, I guess. But, you know, yeah, it can definitely become of, you know, we start comparing our lives to someone else and we start the fear of missing out and, a lot of negative feelings can come very quickly because oh, they've got it so good over there, and I'm over here yeah. just. <laughs> but but yeah. it's so fake yes. because yes. the people when the people report about their lives and their families and their loved ones, they're not gonna they don't spell out the ugly things. They nope. spell out the good things, and yeah. so you get this false impression. Everybody else's life seems to be so perfect, and mine's pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Their appliances never break. Their dog is always, you know, right. yeah. They're always on vacation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, why can't I go on vacation? Yeah. So, yeah, it's, we have to make but sure. But I, yeah. and we've done whole programs on social media before, and, and it's in our archives on the Virtual Bible Study. If you need some help with that, listen to some of, I think there's at least two pro, past programs we've had on the use of social media. So consider that. But, I mean, if you didn't, if there was nothing else, about social media that was negative and needed to be changed. Some people need to change just the time factor. That's what two of our respondents keyed in on here. Dwight says the use of social media has been a huge time stealer. It robs our mind of good and positive things. Some have put timers on so they don't waste too much time on social media. We have no social media accounts any longer. 
So it has been a great year for us. Good. Good for you. Kent says, while social media is not wrong within itself, we need to limit our time on such in addition to using such things as a teaching tool to engage in the teaching of the scriptures. Yeah. I, I, I get on Facebook once each week to post what we're going to be talking about on the virtual Bible study. And I don't even respond if, and sometimes I, I see that somebody has commented. I don't even look at the comment. I don't, I don't even, I don't respond. I'm, it's just an announcement medium. That's all I use it for. Uh, so I can't say that I don't know anything about Facebook because actually uh, we have a Facebook account uh, for the virtual Bible study, but we use it exclusively just to announce our topics. You didn't post what you had for lunch today? No, but I'm thinking about doing that because yeah. yeah. that sandwich that, that, that we had was just off that chart. Everybody yeah. needs to see it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Next point. All right. What about raising our children? Uh, how well did you do? If you're, if you are a parent and you're still rearing your children, you know, old people like me and, and my kids are, 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 are raised for good or bad, but, uh, uh, if you're still in, if you're still bearing that responsibility and, and, and duty, how well are you doing in, in raising your children? Uh, you know, there's a lot to raising your children, but, but obviously here our emphasis, are you training your children in the ways of God? Are you teaching them to love God and do His will? Uh, or is the emphasis on things of the world? Obviously people of the world, they spend all of their emphasis with their children on worldly things. But I'm concerned when you see Christian parents, and they seem to be putting a whole lot more emphasis on on the involvement of their children in worldly things rather than spiritual things. We need to do uh, some analysis of that. Um, and one thing I like to do is I like to do a little math. I like to take 18 and subtract it from the year, the age of the child that, that I'm thinking about and think about how much time I have left with that child and th- that we get down to thinking about how little time we have left, then we'll use that time more wisely maybe. Kent says we must not neglect the biblical training of our children. If we do not teach them the word of God consistently, the devil's crowd will teach them the ways of sin and rebellion against God, Ephesians 6. Oh, that's four. a good point, Kent. You do it or somebody else will do it. You train them or somebody else will train them. And if you don't train them right, somebody else will train them wrong. And here's what Dwight says. Our children are older and on their own, but we have spent many hours this past year with our granddaughters teaching them godly things, not only from God's word, but how we live our lives. We did this with our children from birth. Our children today are the future church, and we need to get them as firmly rooted and grounded as we possibly can in order to defeat Satan. A good point, Dwight, that those of us who are grandparents can exercise a positive influence and should. Absolutely. All right. Uh, Let's see. Here's another one that that Kyle came up with, Jacob. How well have we done in the category of contentment? Kyle, you're on it tonight. Which, you know, in content, which I, people who go, they're seeing where their lives are right now, and they see, kind of akin this to social media in some way, but, we have to make sure that we're not saying, you know, that I want, like, I just, I'm not satisfied with the life I have. I'm just not satisfied with where I am. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with trying to improve your life, but we make sure that we're not, you know, just, just so disgusted with our lives that we're just, yeah. you know, downtrodden. And I think you're right. And that, and that since it's sort of a fine line to walk, I, I, I want to improve myself. I'll, I'll, you know, for instance, I, you can see a guy on the job and he wants to do a good job and he'd like to maybe be promoted on his job or, or succeed in those ways. And that's not a bad thing, but the pro, the, the, the issue is where does that rank on the priority list? I'm so determined to advance my career that I'm going to put spiritual service in the kingdom of God on the back burner for a little while. Not, you know, I just, I just got to really hit this career thing real hard right now. And once I get up the ladder, then I can come back and pay more attention to spiritual things. That usually doesn't happen. Uh, but Paul said in 1 Timothy 6, godliness with contentment is great gain. Well, we brought nothing into this world is certain we can carry nothing out and having food and raiment, let us be there with content. I don't think that m- most of us would be content with just food and raiment. We want more than that. We got to be really careful about materialism and covetousness and a lack of contentment. 
Amen. And uh, that's something that this COVID uh, thing has, uh, it seems to have heightened the idea of materialism somehow. Yeah. I mean, the, the, you, you, if you look to see the prices of a new boat or a new ATV these days, everybody's trying to buy the new toy. Mm-hmm. It's like it's something about the pandemic has made <laughs> well, us all focus well, part on. Part of that is that the government has pr- been printing and giving away money. That's true. <laughs> but, I mean, it, has, it, has that been it spurred on our giving or have we sort of gotten wanting more and more? Which I mean, something's going Paul in Philippians, which we've just concluded in Philippians, so he's, you know, which if you've have lived a great life pre-COVID and now you're, it's life's a little bit harder, but we know we need to make sure that we're trying to live our lives the best way we can, also by being Christians, but also just have to be content in whatever station that you're in right now. Yeah. Kent yeah. says we must be very concerned to not become caught up in the sin of materialism, verse 26, 6 through 12. Uh, Dwight says, being God has told us he would take care of us, and we need to be as Paul and be content with all the blessings God richly gives us. Hopefully we have been content this year, knowing that in all things God is in control. Not that we can't try to better ourselves, but we are, but not at the sacrifice of losing our soul because we put worldly physical things ahead of spiritual things. Exactly right. All right. All right. One last, one last area that we'll mention, and there, I, I gotta say, I think this list could go on pretty, oh, yeah. pretty, on and on, but but the year's the, almost over. We the year's quit. almost. Yeah, we don't have time. With the, the year's almost up. What about how? Looking back, how well did we relate to and encourage our brethren, especially young Christians? And again, Kent or uh, Kyle uh, suggested this as, as a category to, uh, for consideration. I like it, Kyle. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I'm really I'm really convinced that some Christians never think about. Whether or not they are a personal encouragement to their brethren or a personal discouragement to their brethren, they just go about doing what they want to do. They do, and and no matter what, they're going to do what they want to do, and nobody's going to tell them otherwise. Uh, and so, I'm I'm, I'm telling you what, you know, I'm going on vacation this week, and so I'm not going to be at church. I'm not going to be I'm not going to be at church at. College View or any place else for that matter, because I'm going on vacation or I'm going to the ball game, and if that discourages you, well, so what? I don't care. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do it because I'm gonna do what I want to do. That's just a wrong attitude. We we have to be mindful of our brethren and how our conduct uh, influences them for good or bad. The Hebrew writer said in Hebrews ten twenty four, "Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works." Some brethren don't do that. And so uh, I, I'm going to do as I please. I'm going to gossip about my brethren. I'm, I'm going to talk harshly about my brethren. I'm going to I'm going to criticize everything that the elders and the preacher decide to, to teach or do. Uh, I, I'm just. I, wait a minute. Uh, am, am I considering how my my personal conduct affects others negatively? Now, I think a lot of Christians need to do this. Uh, retrospective look over the last year or maybe longer have i been a source of encouragement or discouragement i'm sure i've discouraged some folks i'm speaking honestly and confessing personally i'm sure i've been a discouragement to some people i need to try to limit that that it doesn't happen anymore Uh, we don't live to ourselves yeah, we uh, what we do has an impact and we need to make sure we're cognizant of that Kent says we need to, we all need to encourage and assist one another as Christians, especially those who are young in the faith. It is very easy for young Christians to be discouraged and even tempted to become unfaithful during difficult times. First Peter 2.17. Right. And uh, Dwight says, hopefully and preferably, we all try to encourage one another in many ways. I try to uplift young and old on the things they do in the service to the, of the Lord. The young need our help and encouragement and our teaching them God's word. This is trying times for all of us. And we need to be strong, and not just for ourselves, but for the young and old alike. Good point. Right. And then Dwight goes on, and I, I had left an open-ended invitation at the end of, the, of our email update, list other areas that deserve our retrospective analysis. And Dwight said, speaking for myself, I always have room to better myself. This is the case with all people. One great challenge is learning to listen more and talk less, study more and live what we have studied, love others more than self, these are things I know I can always improve on, and looking back, I can say I've I've done better, but I have lots of room to improve. And I think Dwight makes a good point there. You know, in so many of the things that we've talked about tonight, it's not an either or. It's not an on and off. It's a spectrum. 
And so I may be at 50% on, on the scale. I should be striving for 100%. I mean, and, and so in, in, I can always improve. There's always room for improvement, and I need to constantly be working for improvement. All right. Um, Kent put in uh, to the number two here. I think this may have gone back. I mentioned this. You uh, mentioned that uh, earlier. Yeah, earlier, yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, um, that, that's the benefit of, of, a, of a time like this at the end of the year is, because, is if we're humble enough to admit that we could do better. Yeah. You know, and then that's, I'm afraid sometimes we get to the idea of thinking, well, I can't admit that I, I mean, I've got to, you know, I've got to admit, I've got to be perfect. I, got, I can't admit that there's any room for me to improve. You know, it's actually a liberating thing when people criticize us to say, well, I can do better. I'll try to do better. You know, uh, in, instead of trying to self-justify ourselves, it's always easier to, to just say, it, it actually is a liberating kind of thing to say, well, I'll try to do better. I can, I can always do better. And, and we should. Uh, absolutely. We certainly can. Um, Good discussion tonight. Uh, good uh, year of the virtual Bible study, Kyle, and thank you yeah. for making that yeah, possible. It's been a good year. I think it was some fantastic studies, and I think we hopefully have another year. But I'm not doing this studies, again so. this year. I'm done. With it. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. I'm not doing it now for for this year. All right, uh, Dad. Thank you for a good discussion. Tonight. Thanks, Jacob. And uh, good comments from our listeners. Appreciate all that input as well. Thank you for being with us in 2021 and hope you make plans to be back this time next year for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study brought Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381- 4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.